On this episode of Comedy Rewind, did the Farrelly brothers start a comedy trend with their Something About Mary? Is this the best character in the long career of Cameron Diaz? What's the more iconic scene, Frank and Beans or Hair Gel? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio-Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me today, they are Frank and Beans, Brendan White and Celine the Dream from The Hungry Gamers. How you doing? How'd you get the beans above the Frank? (laughs) (laughs) Just a little bit of both, Brendan, you and I. Just a little bit of both. That's it. Who's the Frank? Who's the beans, Jono? Well, Celine the Dream seems you can be the beans. Just leave the bean. You know, it just works. It works. All right. Brendan's the Frank. I'll take the Frank. (laughs) That works for me. It's great to have you guys both here together as part of the Hungry Gamers. Trying to get a bit of the chemistry uh, that you bring to that show on this podcast. So thanks for coming on the show. Extremely excited. And on the chemistry, we are like Walter White and uh, Jesse Pinkman up in here. So we are going to make some blue magic today uh, discussing there's something about Mary. We cannot wait. Speaking of chemistry, this movie is full (laughs) of it. What an awesome, hilarious film. I watched it last night. I don't know about you guys, but I'm so glad that we get to talk about there's something about Mary. I have to say, when you messaged me earlier and, and Brendan asking us to come on for this film, uh, like my heart skipped a beat. This is <laughs> one of the best films from my childhood. I, I, was, I rewatched it uh, earlier today, actually, and it still holds up. I remember every joke, every gag, everything, and I still found myself laughing hysterically mm. through the whole, whole thing. Um, I love this film so much. Let, let, where, do, where do we start, Jono? How do we get into <laughs> this film right now? Let's talk. I mean, I think we should maybe, as always, start with our experiences of it, which you just mentioned. You grew up watching this. You, you said as a child, I would have thought that maybe it wasn't suitable for children, but we're sensing a trend on this show that <laughs> everyone else was allowed to watch like whatever movies they wanted as a kid. I had to wait until yeah. I was old enough, but you would have been like... What seven in nineteen ninety eight? I would have been. I would have been seven, turning eight in nineteen ninety eight. And I'm, yeah, look, I'm guessing probably, you watched it a few years later, though, right? Nah, of course not. Of course, <laughs> probably not. went no, to no, the no, cinemas. No. I, was, I was in the cinemas. <laughs> wag, wag school at, in Parramatta and went and watched it. <laughs> I was already a Ferrelli Brothers diehard by that point. Oh, no, um, no, no. This is obviously the age of the the VHS yes. and the DVD, and. Um, no, I just my, my my memories of this film are watching it with my my family. Believe it or not, uh, you know, on the weekend, it was it was it, my my father had this habit of always replaying the same films over and over again. He used to go to sleep watching movies, mm. and if it wasn't a John Wayne film, it would be whatever the comedy flavor of the week was. And for so long, though, it was it was something about Mary. Um, I, I distinctly remember watching it so many times, and then on this, you know say the 10th viewing watching it with my dad and in the scene where um ben stiller ted is uh just before his date with mary and he's it's the masturbation scene my dad on the 10th viewing my dad's like oh no 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 this is too too heavy you have to leave the room (laughs) (laughs) i was like and i still didn't i didn't know what What was was going going on at that point in my life i just knew that this was funny for some reason um and that was that was like this weird birds and bees epiphany 
for me in my life. Like that sticks out to me as one of my um, sexual epiphanies of like, there's something else here, something forbidden that I'm not, not sensing. Mm. Yeah. What about you, Brendan? Similar to a degree, like I was a little bit older, like I was 12 when this came out. So I was sort of preteen getting into that early adulthood stage. Mm. And um, by this time, my my mum and dad had separated. So mum and I had watched a lot of movies. She, She actually one of the few jobs she worked at the time, she had sort of three jobs going. She worked at Video 2000. So we'd get access to to movies and even sort of screeners sometimes that were sort of circulating around for, for the video clerks to watch before they come out. And I remember she brought home, uh, there's something about Mary because the Kuma Cinema didn't make it to Kuma Cinemas. It's a uh, <laughs> you know, single screen, even though it's called Kuma Twin Cinemas, still one screen, but anyway. But I remember sitting on the couch, uh, we had the the like $1.99 popping microwave popcorn that we sort of nuked in the microwave and we sat down started watching this and and we've always had a had a good connection and a bond and a, and a similar level of of love for the same types of movies and obviously dumb and dumb which is something we talked about at length on a previous yeah. episode about this uh my mom and i have, have got a similar sense of humor and it translated really well with there's something about mary and i remember just sitting on the couch cracking my head up next to my mom who was equally in in hysterics and similar situation not the masturbation scene though but like when there's a scene sort of in the final act and um matt dylan is sort of looking through the binoculars when when mary's getting changed he's like here comes the money shot and he grabs the big giant binoculars pans back up and and the elderly neighbor (laughs) is there and he sees her like giant haggard aged tanned breasts and he was like with his his sort of moment of shock (laughs) And my mum sort of looked at me there, like, shouldn't be watching this for a second, but then we just lost it. And, like, it's just one of the fondest (laughs) memories of my childhood, and especially with cinema. And, um, yeah, it'll go down as a classic. Mm. What about you, Jono? I don't remember the first time I watched it. I just remember it was probably similar, like the VHS DVD rental that me and my friends got and watched together, or maybe it was on a on a Saturday night or something. I don't exactly remember. I just know that it was by that point, Ben Stiller was already a huge star by the time I saw it. So it was kind of just like another Ben Stiller movie, but you know, having a bit of context now, it's, it's kind of cool that this was, you know, his first starring role in a big film. And he'd been working for a really long time. He'd been writing and directing movies. He had his own TV show, but they took a big chance on uh, giving him, this role, which we'll we'll get to as we get into into the film a bit more, but yeah, it, to me is right up there, I guess, with probably Zoolander and Dodgeball as like it's up there with the the best of a good bunch of Ben Stiller movies, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah, Tropic Thunder is probably the only other one I'd probably put at that same level <laughs> as those other ones you mentioned, but yeah, uh, yeah this is certainly the crown jewel. Yeah, I yeah. think that one's a bit more of an ensemble. Yeah, whereas he's definitely the the lead in this film. And he, he really did such a great job with the character. There's, there's a few things about this that stood out to me. And the first one is like how wholesome it is, despite being like this gross out humor that we'll talk about. The first like, I don't know, 15, however long the flashback scene goes for, if it's 15 or 20 minutes, the prom leading up to that, it's all just like so wholesome He's like this geeky guy who's really obviously polite and good-mannered and got a heart of gold, which you see in the way that he interacts with Warren, which becomes a really crucial part of the film later. And then suddenly he's got his junk caught in a zipper and it's like, okay, that's the kind of movie this is going to be. 
<laughs> it's fantastic. He he. Even though, yeah, he was, I don't know, probably mid to late 30s when he was doing this flashback <laughs> of the 16-year-old, but he's got, you know, the, the 80s sort of shoulder-length hair, the, the terrible suit, mouthful the of braces, braces, and it's yeah. just, yeah, it, it tears on the heartstrings, doesn't it? But there's no one there's no one in that first, um, first sequence when they're teenagers who is under the age of 25 when they're shooting that, like... I, yeah. I think when I was a kid, I was like, this is what teenagers look like. And now as an adult, like approaching 30, I'm like, these guys are older than me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think even Cameron Diaz would have been 25 because she was, I think she was 21 when The Mask came out. And that was only, mm. well, it was released four years before this was released. So she would have been right around that age. Mm. And uh, it's probably a good chance to talk about Cameron Diaz now. She's awesome in this movie. Like, this is probably her best role that I can think of. Oh, you didn't like Charlie's Angels? I did, Charlie's like, Angels I did like Charlie's Angels when it, at the time, <laughs> but I think... You went a full throttle fan? I think this one holds up a bit better than Charlie's Angels. I, th- I think you're right. No, I, I agree. I think in this, she's absolutely hilarious. And, and a great character too. Yeah, and but she does like really well in the role and it's it's um, and, and we'll unpack this all, I guess, as we go with, with the, the questions, but... Um, I, I think this whole film, it doesn't, it hasn't aged. No. Like, do, did you mm. guys get that sense as well when you rewatched it? Like, there's, there's not really much in there that you can really say doesn't fit twenty years later or fifteen years later. Yeah, we'll definitely get to that in the the categories. But uh, I mm. guess the last thing I want to say, kind of just generally before we get into it, is how much of a pioneer this film was for that gross out style of humor. The Farrelly brothers, obviously, as the writers and directors, had coming off Dumb and Dumber in the in 1994, which was a huge success, and we've done a podcast on that episode too, as Brendan mentioned. And then I think they had a bit of a miss with Kingpin. They didn't know where their career was going, and they, they put this film together. And I think one of the reasons it holds up so well is because it was so influential in what was going to be the next style of film. We had a lot of kind of more family-friendly comedies leading up to this where it was your you know your billy madison your dumb and dumbers your mrs doubtfires whatever it might be and then following there's something about mary was almost a new trend altogether where it was i think you can break it down into kind of three main categories for the 2000s because this was 1998 and then obviously that's what followed so we had all the teen movies like American Pie that came out the next year and its sequels, movies like Road Trip, Euro Trip, and also, you know, taking that gross out style as far as they could go. Then you had all the Judd Apatow movies with Seth Rogen, mm. Jonah Hill, yeah. Paul Rudd, Jason Siegel. We're talking about movies like Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Superbad, and so on. And then you got the Will Ferrell, Owen Wilson, and other Ben Stiller movies whether it was Zoolander, whether it was Wedding Crashes, I feel like those films were really huge in the 2000s and they all kind of took cues from how successful this movie was and how it kind of balanced that tension between gross-out humour but like there's a, a bit of a, a heart of gold there at the end of the day where you want these characters to succeed. I, I'd absolutely agree, especially on the, the Apatow, um, you know, divergent that that goes on because you can totally see and and i was you've robbed me you've absolutely robbed me (laughs) of a couple of golden points i was going to make later on but um no i I think the the apatows are the closest cousins to to the forelli brother films and when you look at this film and these these 
these films that the Frehley brothers have put together, um, they they seem to strike this weird balance of just being so so funny, so um, irreverent, but also there's something really wholesome at the core of it. There's there's a really beautiful story mm. at the core of it between characters that you really grow grow fond grow fond of as you watch it, and also really learn to love and appreciate, and you can totally relate to. Um, I'm going to save a couple of my other little nuggets for later though. Um, I won't, I won't <laughs> fully unpack it yet, but I agree. I, I totally agree. I think this film uh, and, and these films that, that these directors put together just set set the tone for the next 10 to 15 years for sure. Hmm. Anything on that, Brendan, before we move on? I, I think you guys put it uh, very eloquently and I probably can't add much more on top. I'm, I'm just in agreement <laughs> with, uh, with yourselves. There's probably not going to be too much abrasiveness on this podcast. I think it's going to be three guys no, almost high-fiving each other around a campfire so like, I, I think so too it's too good a film it's too good a film no one poo-poos this okay. i can't think of anyone who poo-poos this film we'll, we'll see how far we can go so 23 million dollar budget that's fairly modest for quite a, a big movie and it made 370 million dollars worldwide which is mm-hmm. massive like i'm talking it was top four highest grossing films of the year in a year that we had at number one was Armageddon, Saving Private Ryan, <laughs> Godzilla, and I guess that was like the first Godzilla movie for like at least a decade or, or, or longer. The first big budget one, at least. It was the first Western. That one. was the first Western yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, well, there you go. Matthew yeah. Broderick is the lead. God, that was a rough film. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I would rewatch that for this podcast. I know it's not a, a comedy rewind, but God damn it, John, let's do it got hank azaria in it he's he's a comedian so you know what you know what blows me away about everything you just said to me jono can i yeah. call you jonathan can i say uh, jonathan? you can call me whatever you want you know what blows me away jono um that? that that armageddon beat out saving private ryan this year and it smashed it by like 70 million it made <laughs> that's incredible it, it was made all because of that aerosmith yeah. song that aerosmith song <laughs> saying, just created love no matter where it was played and it was probably hmm. used in about two million weddings that year alone i'd imagine oh man yeah possibly one of the last good vin diesel death scenes as well Um, oh and saving private ryan another one yeah we'll never see another one he'll never allow it ever again like major role too when was fast and furious wasn't that 1999 i think oh 2000 yeah Yeah, okay that's yes i was young i don't remember things well from. i'd love to do an armageddon episode i know it's not comedy but there's a lot of unintentional comedy there (laughs) So maybe maybe we'll get to there's all these action movies in the nineties that would just be like great like face off. Action and, rewind. Yeah, action rewind. Action rewind. I see a sister yeah. podcast coming on board. Anyway, there's something about Mary smashed it. Like we we're talking like billions of dollars now with the Avengers and that, but back then this was a lot of money and it just crushed its opposition at the time. We we did a couple of weeks ago with Benny and Ali an episode on basketball. Didn't stand a chance when it was going up against there's something about Mary. Mm. Rotten Tomatoes, what would be your guess for the score there? Uh, pretty pretty high. Yeah. And, and I say that off the bat of knowing, reading up on this earlier, 27 in the AFI Top 100. Oh, yeah. So This is a really so, well-acclaimed movie. It's in a lot of those yeah. lists of like top comedies. So it's 83%, which is, is not like amazing but it's pretty good for a movie that's got a, a franken beans in a zipper and, yeah. uh, and a hair come scene <laughs> yeah it's pretty, it's, among it's, others it's, it's pretty good yeah. for a, for an animal human fight scene 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, Buffer! We'll, we'll get to that too. We'll get to that too. Uh, so the number one song when the movie released, if anyone wants to guess, it's something that's already been mentioned on a previous episode. I mean, I just said it came out at the same time as Basketball, so you might know if you've been paying attention. Yeah, Brendan, you told me you listened to the Basketball episode as well. What was it again? <laughs> um... I can't remember that because I just had it like I was thinking about that question today and I'm like, I was going to double down with like Savage Garden. That's where I was going because that was the year they blew up. With um, So, we, yeah. Yeah. In the US, it was The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and oh. Monica. That, that's the one that we talked about on basketball. <laughs> that's then, the number one song. It was for, for like a couple of months. That's why it, it's, yeah. Is that, there, is that but, the boy? Is that's mine. the one it was brandy and i can't remember the other lady that was singing with the two wasn't it monica monica that's that's that song yeah it's hard to believe that in any year that song is number one for a day let alone two months i'm so glad you sang it though Salim, because ali sang it on the last episode so i can cut together oh. a little like super cut of of you guys getting down with brandy uh, oh, but i'll in, do in a, a duet <laughs> with ali yeah we'll do it in Australia, this movie released a few months later, and the number one song here was Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, oh well. Classic. I remember that. Absolute classic. Banger. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, what have you done for me lately? Cameron Diaz has retired. Did you know that? I knew she took some time away, but I didn't think she made it like yeah. an official retirement. She's fully, well, she's fully said that she's retired. She hasn't done a film for a few years now. Is she still and with one of the Madden brothers? Uh,. Gosh, I don't know the answer to that. I didn't. I didn't think she was. No, nah, she was. Yeah, neither did I. She was. Trust me. I, I know my okay. terrible, uh, terrible uh, reality TV and soap melodrama. <laughs> I'm. I'm well, well hip. I thought yeah. that was like Is Sophie it... Monk. She was with one of them for a bit too. Yeah, I saw one of them in Sydney once, just outside a pub. Random ass. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Ben Stiller <laughs> hasn't done a movie for a couple of years. He he. He, he directs this. a lot lately, though, right? Yeah, he does. And he did a prison miniseries on, like, a prison escape based on a true story. That was the last thing he did that I heard about. And I guess he's gearing up for some big comedy. He, he did Zoolander did, 2 just a few years ago. But didn't he do... Didn't he do... I can't remember the name of it. Um, but he did a, a family feel-good... <laughs> no, he did, like, a family feel-good with... Oh, what's his name? The Graduate? I forget his name. Dustin Hoffman? Yeah, he did something with Dustin Hoffman yeah. a couple oh, of years ago. Meet he the fuckers. No, 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 no. I'm going to find it. I hope you don't mind me typing as I go. Side uh, note. I don't mind you typing. Cameron Diaz married Benji Madden in 2015. So there you go. Well, there you go. It's such an odd pairing, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. <laughs> They're such bums. The Madden's... Vindic- vindicated, Brendan. Yeah. Vindicated. The Madden's pairing with, with anyone is, is kind of odd. Was one of them with Hilary Duff? Is that, am I making that up? Probably. You might be. She's too wholesome yeah. to be hanging out with them bloody trash burgers. <laughs> so just um, going back to my point really quickly, he yeah. starred in 2017 across from Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler, and Grace Van Patten in the Mywitz stories. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Was, was, that, a, was that a series though? I haven't... Oh, is it a series? I don't know. I haven't I, seen it. I think it it's is on Netflix. Series. It's saying yeah. it's a series. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Ben Stiller. He's still a thing. Uh, I I should mention that he was like this. I I said this was his first leading role. It kind of set him up over the next decade. He was in a huge movie almost every year. He did Meet the Parents, Zoolander, Dodgeball, Night at the Museum, Along Came Polly. And then basically 
probably smaller movies than the ones I just mentioned, but pretty much hits all the way up to 2010, ending up probably with Tropic Thunder, that kind of era. So it was never going to go wrong though. Like his dad's yeah. Jerry Stiller, oh. <laughs> and it's like if you ever wanted to go to Hollywood, that's that's the the golden ticket in that your dad's already in. It doesn't always yeah. work out. It doesn't always work out with kids True. of famous True. people. Paulie Shaw didn't go too like you know <laughs> he, he had he had a shorter career than Ben Stiller. Squeeze in the gym. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor's in this movie for some reason, and uh, he has done that Amazon series Transparent, which has been a pretty big hit with like winning awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. Lee Evans, who played Tucker, he hasn't really done much. He hasn't done many movies in general like he did mouse hunt in the 90s which i remember loving yeah. as a kid <laughs> yeah. john goodman no, no nathan lane <laughs> i hated that it? film yeah with nathan lane it was nathan yeah. lane mouse john hunt. goodman was in like the the one where they were little people like oh okay yeah whatever yeah. I've, I've got my wires crossed there yeah so i don't know if he's doing stage and theater or something else but I, i've always liked him and appreciated his style of humor but we needed we need to see him back in the movies uh yeah chris elliott he, of course, plays uh, Woogie or Dom in this film. Has been really great on <laughs> Creek, which is an awesome Canadian sitcom. It's on Netflix as well. And he plays the mayor of that town and he's great. So if you haven't seen that, definitely recommend that. Can I give you one of mine? Yeah. I got, I got one here. Um, so Keith David, who plays Mary's dad. Yeah. Is, and Brendan just shook because I feel like this may have been something Brendan wanted. Also in Armageddon. Oh, is he in Armageddon? He's in Armageddon as General Kimsey. Didn't see that. I was going to say we, we know him from Community, at least the last couple Hell of yeah. seasons. Oh, well, that's and probably what Brendan's brandishing his fist about. But he's also a bucket load of voiceover work. Like yeah. he even uh, was in The City of Final Fantasy for, for you, Dreamer. Oh, there. wow. But like he's voiced in like Modern Warfare, Shocking Saints game. Row, Mass Effect done some stuff with todd mcfarlane and spawn he's just a dude he's just got a voice that's just liquid Mm. liquid gold yeah he's great he's he's got definitely got that that tone of like you like dave fenoy level kind of actor i appreciate him a lot he's great in this movie too we'll get to him a bit later Um, okay here we are what's the most 90s moment of there's something about Mary. I I was thinking about this for a while and, and I just kept coming back to the discussion around the seven minutes abs seven minute abs videos. So I was just <laughs> thinking in the nineties it was like peak peak everyone was plugging a fitness fit, like a fitness VHS yeah. or a, yeah telemarketing. Yeah. I remember aerobics Oz style in the morning was on television. Um <laughs> Billy Blanks with like I can't remember what his thing was called, like body fit or something. Boflex? Nah, Bowflex came out in the in the two thousands, I think. But okay. I okay. I just think of this because my mum had a few like of these wellness VHS VHSs, and she had a little aerobics mat and little step in the lounge room sometimes, and <laughs> that's all I keep thinking. It's just that that sort of hitchhiker scene where he's talking about the seven minute abs, and obviously freaks yeah. out when they they stupidly suggest what if someone comes out with six minutes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, 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 that's that's my most nineties <laughs> moment from this film. <laughs> Nice. Um, I, I think for me, mine, uh, I, I, I struggled with it. I struggled with a lot of your questions in this film. I do, I do have answers, but for me, there was, there's a very particular scene that I'll zero in on, which is, um, when Ted's getting ready for his first date with Mary after they reconnect mm. and Woogie, Woogie says to him, have you been to the ATM? Did you clean your car? Have you got gas in the tank? <laughs> and that really stuck out to me as nothing I've ever considered in my life before a first date. 
particularly yeah. have you been to the ATM? Who gives a <laughs> shit? Um, you don't even own a car. Yeah. <laughs> and I also don't own a car, which may be why I've never considered that one. But also, these 90s people, they've got to get with the times. Buses, trams, trains, it's all PT, baby. <laughs> That's great. No, I didn't even think of either of those, so good answers there. Uh, I've got a few contenders here i thought the fact that there's an 80s flashback in this movie despite being the 80s is still a very 90s thing to do like you know i'm gonna reference this a couple times here but on friends they they leaned into these a lot with these 80s flashbacks of uh getting ready for prom and that kind of thing i don't know who did it first maybe one copied the other maybe not but i feel like that's something we saw a lot in the 90s especially on those even like seinfeld doing flashbacks to 80s any kind of teenage flashback from the 90s is naturally going to be in that era and it's just ripe for flashbacks with the ridiculous clothes and haircuts there was Mm. a scene where magda was listening to cell phone calls uh you know throughout throughout the movie but particularly where she's explaining (laughs) how it works and like the, the, the technology of it i love talking about technology in this question but like you just there's no way you could do that these days with the way that mobile phone towers and stuff work compared to how it not was unless you're the american government yeah, she's just sitting up there sun tanning big ciggy in the mouth yeah. and then the big sort of radar gun pointing out into the streets yeah mm. and it's the kind of thing where like I, I do remember phones interfering with speakers way more than they do now and cutting through different like systems and you might be listening to the radio and it starts playing through your guitar amplifier it's just like a completely different time with i guess the frequencies that things worked on <laughs> the other thing that i had that i wanted to throw back to friends was the fact that cameron diaz is pretty much never wearing a bra in this movie except that when she's getting undressed for obvious reasons oh. that's a that seems like a really 90s like empowerment type thing where like who cares and i know that jennifer aniston did that a lot on friends and people particularly notice when they do the rewatch now i don't know if that's like i'm not i don't tend to notice these things but i did notice in this movie yeah i, I sounds sounds like you noticed john yeah, i noticed. Sounds like you noticed <laughs> yeah there's, there's an awakening but um I think it just ties into the character as a whole. Like she's obviously carefree, sporty. Yeah. Loves a beer, loves a hot dog. I can't remember the exact lines where she's talking about like, you know, find me a guy who can play golf and hang out with me yeah. and Warren and thirty eight holes and all that yeah. stuff. And it's just she's just a tomboy and, and really down like she's that boy next girl embodiment. Like it's just The boy next door. Yeah. Yeah. Girl, sorry, girl next door. Oh, my yeah. Girl. <laughs> girl next door. Let's 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 like just call it for it it's sexy it's sexy she's sexy in this film um and and that's mm. the whole point not the point of the film sorry but that's kind of like you know that's the allure of who mary is and that's well, the yeah, crux it's a, of the film is there it's something a movie about, about her it's like she's yeah. someone that all these different guys find attractive there's something yeah. about her that and it's not just her physical appearance but as brendan mentioned mm. it's her whole demeanor and it's her approach to life and I said it at the top when we were talking about Cameron Diaz. This is a great character. This is a, a film that, compared to the other comedies we've looked at, whether it was any of the Adam Sandler ones or Basketball, which is definitely written by a bunch of dudes, this is a, a really empowered woman. She's got an amazing job. Yeah. She doesn't care too much about how she looks in terms of like, okay, she's never wearing a bra. She doesn't care. She's a free spirit. She wants to be comfortable she's like hanging out with 
all all these disabled people in the sense that she's her brother is there and she's giving them food and she's hanging out with fishermen along the the jetty and she's just a cool person and she's just there to enjoy life and i think everyone is drawn to her for that yeah she she's something special yeah absolutely and i i i think looking at the last film that we talked about Jono on this podcast which was happy gilmore mm. um and veronica from that film veronica we talked about being a very sort of 2d character and, and just sort of there as a generic love interest for yeah. for happy whereas absolutely um you know mary in this film is is completely her own opposite, character with yeah. her own wants and needs, and you see that played out as a pivotal. You know, not it's it's such a an underlying thread in the story, like the this the B plot almost is Mary selecting someone that she's totally comfortable with as as a partner, um, and and you see her talk often throughout the film to so many different characters about what she finds attractive and what she's looking for, and and then that plays into all the gags you see throughout the film you see um healy martin uh sorry uh, matt dylan um trying to play into everything yeah. he's <laughs> eavesdropping on <laughs> these big fake teeth he gets the done teeth. the big white yeah, the best one. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway no, that's great yeah and yeah i just thought it was an interesting thing that um I've never noticed in a movie before, oh, that character is never wearing a bra. So I just thought I'd throw it out there and I'm glad that it generated some actual I'll, worthwhile discussion. I'll, I've noticed it a thousand times. From now on, anytime I appear on this podcast, I'll let you know who is okay. and isn't you do that. wearing a bra. Brazier watch. Men and women. Brazier yeah. watch. Uh, the other thing was meat on sticks, that conversation, which was apparently pulled from a rejected Seinfeld script. The Farrelly brothers did at least one episode of that show and... They liked that Seinfeldian discussion enough to keep it for this film. And it does really feel like that a 90s style conversation that you'd hear on Seinfeld, literally. And, and it just reeks of that time because Seinfeld was like, it ended in 1998 when this movie came out and it was the biggest thing on TV. Mm -hmm. It's it's weird that you point that out because I, I think that scene in particular sticks out to me as one of the moments where they actually really connect. It's kind of like where you see Matt Dillon fail like in the so many dates that he's had and all the things that went wrong there. And then you see this really sort of just, you know, generic, not generic, so this really messing with you. Let's just talk anything right now. Yeah. Meet on sticks, meet in a cone moment <laughs> where they're both just having fun with it. They're not trying anything. It's just really honest. Like that sticks out as one of the really pivotal scenes for me where it's like, yeah, there's something legit there between these two characters and something yeah. that you buy into as, as an audience. And it's, I love the contrast between Healy and Ted because Healy is doing everything he can to show that he ticks the boxes of what Mary's after, that he has everything in common. And then Ted comes along and he's just being himself aside from uh, being dishonest and stalking her and pretending to bump into her. Like, that's not honest. But in the way he presents his personality, he's not trying to be someone else. Yeah, he's, he's no and architect building uh, sports yeah. stadiums in Chile and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's like a good message for the kids at home. Like, you know, be yourself. If it's the right person, then it'll work out. <laughs> Salim's not so sure, but hey, he's the, the single uh, one of the three of us. So he's still Ho figuring life out. Horses for courses, mate. Horses for courses. <laughs> okay. Maybe you should try the architect thing and see if that works for you. Uh, it's worked pretty well. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Salim Abraham architect it's 
got a nice ring to it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I, call, I call it DreamWorks. Uh, here we go. This is the question that's going to be a lot of fun. Most iconic scene. There's three contenders as far as I'm concerned, but you might have uh, a go-to. What is it? It's the hair gel scene for me. Like, hair I think gel. I think really? Frank and Beans started this movie off on a perfect note, and it's it's right up there as like a one B. But the hair gel thing has just stood the test of time and it obviously weaves into some discussion we're going to have a little bit later mm. on too. But yeah. it was just something like... The, like I think that was the first time I've ever seen any form of, of semen referenced or used in a film and he just got this big oh. oyster hanging off his ear and obviously whips it in and then the fringe is shooting up at bloody 12 o'clock and they're out on a date and they're having a laugh and their fringe is still yeah. up. Like, it's just... It's so perfect. I can only imagine what it would have been like in a cinema when that happened. Like, if it wasn't in the trailer, if they somehow kept that out of the trailer. I know it was in the poster for the movie, I think. But, yeah, that I can just imagine the crazy, raucous laughter that would have happened. Yeah, it's perfect. It's such a perfect piece of writing. And just the fact that they're still having the time of their li- of their lives and enjoying one another's company and occasionally you'll see Ben Stiller's eyes sort of shoot up yeah. to, the, to the big palm tree-esque fringe she's rocking at the moment like it's just yeah. funny as well because the um the framing of, of the shots of her like her head is like a few inches lower than you would naturally film her because they have to fit it in yeah yeah. So they they're going the close ups between Ben Stiller and her and she's like significantly lower in frame. Uh apparently Fox wanted to take out that scene, which would have been a, a pretty big thing, but the Farrelly brothers insisted on keeping it in the script. I did read that they filmed two versions in case there was a huge reaction against it at the test screenings. And I don't know I I I guess they would have had to go straight to the date. I don't know how you can film two versions of that. Or it's just, is that hair gel? And he's like, oh yeah, it is. And he like pulls a tub out of well, his pocket or something and she just does the hair and that's they, it. Like they roll out. Or it might've just been that they didn't, they didn't show it. Maybe they just did it that way. They apparently cut six minutes out of this to uh, air with a PG rating in Singapore. So I wonder if this is part of that six minutes, maybe Jono. Mm, possibly, <laughs> possibly. Um, Dream, did you have a different scene for most iconic uh, I I did, and look, the easy one for me is the the opening, the Frank and Beans gag. Yeah, I like. I think that's by far the most iconic. But um, no, I, I decided to go a bit different, be a bit of a contrarian. The the dog fight scene. With, <laughs> that's, uh, okay. With Ted with and so they, these are the is, these are the three scenes that I had in my mind when I said we've got th- a few contenders. It was zipper, hair gel, fighting dog. So. Yeah, okay. let's hear your so let, let's three. hear your argument for the dog because we can each take a different scene and see who's the winner at the end. Well, I think look I, again, my heart my heart's with Frank and Beans. Like to me, that is <laughs> there's nothing like it. There's just nothing else kind of close to that that I can even think of in uh, in cinema. Just the way it just builds. It's the 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 whole thing of you you're, you're hearing what they're saying, you're putting it together, but it's not showing you. And then only after... Have you switched from the <laughs> dog to the Frankenbeans now? Yeah, I know. But I just, you know, I'm cha- I change sides. I'm a turn cloak. Right, right, but right. like, I, um, it's, it's only after like the, the, you know, Keith David comes in, the mum, uh, Mark Post comes in. 
a cop shows up yeah. at the window <laughs> randomly and then a fireman comes through the front door and then gets someone on the radio and says, bring everyone. You can't this. believe it. And then it shows you what they're all looking at. It's just like, yeah. even like, even now, I still can't quite work out the physiology of what's happened. Yeah. You know, like, it's just awful. Yeah. But on the, on the dog fighting, I think the dog fighting thing is just hilarious because... You, what gets built up to that is that if Puffy barks, he's a bad guy. And so you have Matt Dillon um, giving the dog like Xanax or something. And then and then you get the Matt Dillon scene with the dog where he has to revive it. And that's a whole yep. thing. <laughs> and that's that's great. But then like they give the dog speed, but also Magda's on speed because something hits her, her champagne. And it's just, it's it's hilarious because it transports you out of that, that whole f- context in the moment lifting up the your... giant couch and vacuuming under it with yeah, a yeah, cigarette yeah. in but like but like even doing like the the eye the eye gouge technique oh, yeah, the dog the puts dog. up and sort of like block it <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the dog in a headlock and it's it's just it's not at all it doesn't make sense at all in that world but for some reason you just you're, you're there for it and then it sets up yeah. that beautiful joke that in the next scene where like Puffy's completely plastered and on top of the car yeah and stay yeah it's just I don't know man i couldn't stop laughing. Couldn't ben stop Stiller, laughing. like, dropping elbows like he's Hulk Hogan on, uh, yeah. on the dog is a pretty amazing visual. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it's almost the climax of the movie as well. Like, the way that the movie's paced is after that, you get Woogie confronting Mary with her, like, all her shoes gathered up and that whole <laughs> yeah. confrontation. That's basically the end of the movie. So, it, I did feel like that was kind of the the climax as far as the action goes and everything after that is more just conversations but it is a great scene i have to mm. i i go with frank and beans just because it starts like i said this movie starts off as this wholesome kind of flashback you know the nerdy guy against all <laughs> yeah. odds gets a date with his dream girl and everything's going pretty well apart from getting like body slammed by warren for touching his ears uh, with the baseball but yeah the what you described with just one by one person coming in there and keith david dropping all these bombs and and one-liners it's just hilarious the, the editing of that scene though on you've already laid the tracks we're just gonna walk yeah. it back a one and a two and uh, next scene we got a bleed like, so that well is, cut <laughs> that is that that still makes me laugh hysterically every it's great. time yeah and the thing that nails it for me is that i feel so bad for him and like as guys we can all kind of feel the pain slightly it's like uh no like I, i'm trying like i'm laughing so much but i'm also just empathizing and being like oh, oh this yeah. is this is this can ruin a person's life and it pretty much did <laughs> but it's everything like it's it's like from the we got a bleeder they're wheeling him out there's people everywhere there's warren in the back going he's he was joking he was masturbating he was masturbating yeah. <laughs> and then he like the 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 gurney tips and he hits and he breaks his arm on the way down like everything after that it's like this guy just cannot catch a break at all and what makes it great is apparently the scene was based on an actual incident where the Farrelly brothers no. had to help a young guy <laughs> who caught no himself way. in his zipper at one of their sister's parties that's <laughs> something that I read on the internet so it must be true 
here's what here's what I thought <laughs> I would do is I would I would <laughs> okay. I would basically rip the zipper open. Surely that's possible. Like surely it's not an up and down situation. You can just rip it open and and save everything rather I don't than know, zip like, it back down. Zippers never really do what you want them to do. Like when they're broken, they're just they're hard to, to work. You with. try and push yeah. just the bit straight back in. Instead of worrying about the zip, you'd sort of just push back inwards, wouldn't you? So they'd sort of oh. go. There's skin, there's skin in there, so. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think there's no good way of getting out of that situation. Wait, wait, yeah, the, I, I think the, you're right, Brendan. One of the best parts of that is when he's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'll just, like, you know, I'll just cover it up and I'll go to yeah. the prom. <laughs> like, like, no one's going to notice and, like, you're going to be comfortable. Like, he would rather do that than not go that's just a, a beautiful moment yeah mary's his dream girl you know he's it's, she's he's everything mm. yeah okay so what holds up the best um i i'd have to say i really think that the humor in this it, it, it holds up almost perfectly and i think that the there's a couple of reasons why the first is that um in in every single scene almost there's the story and there's the dialogue but there's also something happening in the background that just catches your eye and you're just watching the whole time and it just keeps you hooked like from from the moment when it, it cuts to like um ted in, in the psychiatrist's office you're you're getting the story <laughs> that you know this is what's happened to him this is something that he's thinking about but also the psychiatrist has just slipped in from his lunch break yeah. and still has his napkin yeah, on still got the bib on like every scene's got something like that in it like every scene's got something else to look yeah. at or think about and all of the like in jokes are interwoven throughout the scenes like whether it be frank and beans that warren's calling out you know 10, 15 years later, as soon as he spots Ted or or if it's like Woogie seeing Ted get caught on Cops, like an episode of Cops yeah, and he's yeah. getting a, a, a blowjob from his wife and his wife just turns up and says, I told you he was like, it's just, it's, it's, it's just so well worked in and it's, it's there's sharp, so many yeah. layers there that it just, it catches you so well. And I think the other thing as well that, that really works so well in this film is that it gets away with a lot because I think Ted and Mary are really at the core just great people Mm. so there's that scene where matt dylan is first introduction to mary and he's telling what he does and he tells her his passion is working with our words and 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 she's trying to tell him that she doesn't think that yeah (laughs) she's trying to tell him that she doesn't think that that word is necessarily politically correct but she doesn't quite get it out and he hears her and he's like no 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 one's gonna tell me i can't hang out with a bunch of our words like it's 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 and i think it's kind of funny because that joke works perfectly today as well works perfectly today it's Um, it's interesting that it's 21 years later people still use that word people still have an issue with that word and some people just still don't get that it's not right (laughs) but here here mary was in 1998 saying you can't say that yeah but and that's that's the i mean that's the core of that joke like that's the mm. whole thing about that that whole little bit but i i really think that um for for one reason or another like just everything that makes you laugh in the film in 1998 makes you laugh right now at least it makes me laugh i don't yeah. know we'll put it in front of a millennial we'll see what happens no, i think you're on the money there what about you brendan yeah I'm i'm in agreement with dream but i'll also say just the plot or just the main beats of the plot like everyone's gone gone through it's really good yeah. yeah like early adulthood you you know your high school crush trying to do what you can to win her over and leading up to the big day and 
Um, you know, the dream, not, not so much here, like prom isn't such a big thing for us here in Australia, but there is still those big moments of, of high school where you want to be there with, with the Mary equivalent of, of your school and your upbringing and, and then, you know, ruining that day about the one that got away and, and thinking about it. And I remember when I finished school, there was a couple of years there where I was like, oh, yep. You know, this girl from my school who renamed, who remained nameless, like, yeah, what could have been? But then, like, you see him at a school reunion, you're like, oh, well, I've certainly traded up and up and up. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but like that and even just... We all have our Mary. Just just like the jostling. Oh, we all have our Mary. The jostling for, yeah, the, like a Mary's attention. Like, you think of when you do hit adulthood and you're, you're 18 mm. to your early 20s and you're all, at, you know, you're all out partying together or out and you're vying for for that one mary on the dance floor or whatever and you've got your tucker you've got your healy you've got your teds in in every one of your groups like there's characters in this that i think are just very relatable to just about everybody like everyone knows a healy that does bullshit and talk themselves up more yeah. and say what they have to <laughs> oh, to get yeah. in you know yeah oh, yeah know a lot of them yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we got a quite fair few healies amongst our circles so <laughs> I think it's just it's just themes and like romance is timeless. It's it's it, yeah. it can exist in yeah. this century, two hundred years from now, three hundred years back. You know, it's love and emotion and heart. But when you throw that humor in that the dream was talking about, it just oh, it's just perfect. It's such a good movie. Mm. Yeah, I'm glad we all came at this from a different perspective. I've got a few answers here again. One, just a really quick thing, is the casting of Brett Favre as the the kind of twist that he's the Brett that got away from Mary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, being a a huge NFL star at the time, he went on to play for like, correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, like another 12 years after this. Yeah, yeah. He, um, He played for like, he was drafted and played for the Packers for a long time. And then he went to the Jets for a hot minute, and then he went to and played his final few years with the, my Minnesota Vikings. So, uh, hmm. yeah, played till he was forty. I think he retired at forty-one. So he had a hell yeah, of a Jesus career, Christ. hell of a career. Yeah, yeah, right. And just so, the joke guess- when they're like, "You're, you're Mary's Brett," and then he's like, "What are you doing in town?" He's like, I'm "Here to play the Dolphins, you dumbass." And it's just like, yeah. "Oh yeah, obviously, <laughs> yeah, football season's on." Yeah. And there's a, like a scene early in the movie when they're talking about Brett and one of Mary's friends calls him the Pac-Man, like obviously playing for the Packers. So there's all these like little nods towards him being that guy. But when they reveal it to him, and I guess the fact that he was relevant for so long after this movie made it hold up really well, as opposed to if they just pulled whoever was like the hot athlete at the time and then that person faded out or had some kind of, you know, career-ending injury. Good choice with Brett Favre. Uh, I wanted to talk about the character of Warren. I think that the treatment of disability in this movie is really good, especially for a comedy that's pretty goofy. And the Farley brothers have done something where I feel like they've emphasized or at least given representation to characters with disability in almost all their movies. But this character in particular is crucial to the plot and it's the way that Ted interacts with him that shows Mary that he's a good person and I think the way that Warren was portrayed uh, the actor that was playing him by the name of W.L. Brown yes W.L. Brown he really played it quite straight he wasn't going for laughs I think he's said this in interviews a few times but he just wanted to play the character as they would be realistically 
because of that it doesn't come across like they're making fun of disability and i think that's really important it was a great performance it really was mm. and it's still crazy to think because he he was one of the, the leads in deadwood as well he played dan Doherty, mm. Doherty, i don't know he looks so different now but yeah like <laughs> yeah. He, he went on to then star in deadwood for a few years but yeah he's very wholesome in his portrayal of of warren mm. and and yeah i i think it was done with a lot of respect and a lot of care yeah and like you can even just see from if you read a few interviews about the character or about the topic that people have come up to him and said how much it meant to them they might have like a disabled son that really connected with the character or a brother who saw someone on the screen like themselves and just got a real kick out of it and it's not in a way where i'm sure we could think of other movies if we thought really hard where it was more played for laughs and laughing at the character rather than them exposing other people's prejudices or or assumptions 100 percent. scary movie comes to mind with dewey <laughs> that is certainly on yeah. the other end mm. of the spectrum as far as respecting the uh that sort of side of, of the film mm. and then the cast the last thing i wanted to say was the cast in general like this is an ensemble as much as it is ben stiller leading it but everyone kind of gets a chance to have their moment on the screen it's not just side characters so matt dillon you know, he gets a lot of time where he's the guy. Lee Evans yeah. gets his moments as well, you know, where he's dropped the keys and he's trying to pick them <laughs> up. And, it's <laughs> and you know, Matt Dillon fighting the dog, or reviving the dog, I should say. Like, everyone kind of gets their turn to have the spotlight. And I like that about this movie. It's not like an Adam Sandler movie or even a Jim Carrey movie where... It's mostly centered around this star and then everything else is secondary. So I, I think those three things, and the fact that everyone that was in this movie is still working today and still quite funny and, and has gone on to do some great stuff, that really holds up well for me. But mm. if we've covered that off, what holds up the worst? And I know you guys might have some trouble with this one because we're all such fans of the movie. It's tough. Like, um, this is I'll, really tough. You might have to yeah. get petty. It absolutely need to get petty. Like for me, it's funny that you caught it out as one of the strengths. I think the NFL Brett Favre thing probably holds up the worst for me. Not being an NFL guy, not being American, mm. um, knowing nothing about this person, and also it being 15 years on from when this film's come out. There or more, almost no 20, 20, 21 one years on from when yeah. <laughs> the failed math. Um, like that to me doesn't hold up so well, and I feel like the longer you go, that that ages probably yeah. the poorest out of everything. That's true. Like you're really relying on that it is a domestic audience who knows who this person is at that point in time. So yeah. I, I don't think that holds up well at all. So disagree, disagree. Well, disagree let, with, let's with say the thing with that is if, if you're gonna go with an NFL player, I think they picked the right one because of his career after the film, mm. as far as relevance. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I unless know. unless it was like Shaq, like who else is it going to be that gets that twist where but, yeah. you're, yeah, but you're always going in on a sports star at the moment. So it's, yeah. that, that will always age. It doesn't matter who it is. Like it could be LeBron James today and in 30, 40 years, 50 years, like anyway, who's what? Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't people matter. People still being do petty. that. We're, we're being petty here. People don't make movies um, thinking about th how it's going to be received in 21 years. That's the other thing. <laughs> no, no, no. They're thinking about how's it going to do this year. Yeah. Um, Matt Dillon's mustache is the only thing I could Dude, come up with. I really. had that. That was my first thing. As soon as he came on the screen, I wrote it down. Matt Dillon's yeah. mo. <laughs> it's terrible. And I don't know like if it's terrible 
at the time? Like, was it meant to be bad? Because he's clearly a certain type of character and he's wearing the Hawaiian shirts and I don't know. Yeah. It, I don't know if it was cool at the time. Does With a blazer. Does I, I, remember, I don't remember. Like, like I know w- there was a bit of a Hawaiian shirt fad at the tail, like in the yeah. 90s, but I can't remember if it was sort but of the mo or late. And it's sort of come full circle because that look he's got going holds up very well in today's hipster circles. Like you see all the Hawaiian mm. attire in every shop front now and and the little like hats that he's wearing and, and the mustache. And, and I'm with you guys, like Pat Healy's fashion sense and facial hair. And then obviously his, <laughs> his crazy teeth he gets done to, to woo Mary a little bit more. That, that was my sort of biggest black mark as far mm. as things that would hold up the worst today. But yeah, walking, like I'd say walking down... Um, King Street in Newtown, you'd probably see two dozen Pat Healy's in the space of 500 meters. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't no, know. I fair. think they'd have the they'd have the twirly mustache instead of like the Frenchman, like whatever you call that one he had. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Yeah, little bit of bit of sort of mo wax just to flick the ends yeah, up. Yeah. The other thing that I had was the tan on uh, on Magda. Like I know <laughs> no. it's going for a, a certain character look but it actually just looks like they've caked on makeup rather than they've got the kind of natural over tan if that's what you'd call it yeah yeah but it's great it's, uh, it's so on brand for her character it's hilarious yeah did you know that that yeah. actress that played her was in dumb and dumber brendan really mrs noogie burger oh with the dogs at the start yeah and it's all, yeah, isn't it also um, Happy Gilmore's Nana? Isn't it the same lady? I don't know. No, it's not. It's not. No. Different actress. She's a bit, bit younger. Diff- She's playing older in this movie. But she was in, she was in all of the Farrelly brothers, like the first three movies. I think she was in Kingpin too. So just a little bit of trivia there. Did you have anything else to add for holding up badly, Brendan? Nah, I, I think... I think we're sort of just clutching at straws already because it is. Yeah, that's fine. It's just a great film. I forgot to mention it before when I was talking about um, the the mustache on Matt Dillon, but his friend uh, Jeffrey Tambor's character, Sully. 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 Yeah. He doesn't have much to do. It's almost like a, a non sequitur having him in this movie because they ended up cutting a lot of his scenes. There was like a whole subplot with him uh, that that got scrapped. So it. it did feel like it dragged a little bit when they're arriving at his apartment and introducing him and he's offering him the beer and that whole thing. So, yeah, I personally felt like if they needed to trim something, that could have come out of it. <clears throat> Brendan, I know you love this movie, but does that make sense to you? Yeah, that makes sense to me. That makes sense, especially like knowing that it was sort of cut the way it was and it sort of it did feel a little bit disjointed and unnecessary. So, mm. yeah, I, I could have done without more Sully in my life. Yeah, the kind of only payoff for him being introduced at all because they really go into a long way to introduce him. He picks him up at the airport or whatever it is and he's like driving him and they're having these conversations in the car. The the payoff is really when they're doing that fake phone call back and forth and reading off the script. Oh, yeah, about how he's helping all the orphans and everything like (laughs) that. And and the dog like... (laughs) The, the great Dane comes along and like takes away his script and he has to just like wing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. And then of course the like has the snake eaten the dog? No, he's actually eaten Sully. Yeah. Is that what we're supposed to take from that? That's a joke that uh, it's, a, it's a little out of place because it's so dark in a movie that's 
not really going for that style of humor. Yeah, yeah, it was it was sort of it didn't feel true to the rest of the soul of the film, that's for sure. Like like they, yeah. they obviously show a bit of violence and whatnot, <laughs> but yeah, they don't never really Oh, well I guess you think about the hitchhiker had a dead body in that sleeping bag. Yeah, but this is like uh Healy basically reacts to his friend dying like oh like bummer. And that's pretty much all we get. And then it's like, that's the punchline is that he realizes it's his friend inside the snake. Yeah. And then it's the end of the scene. Yeah. But I, I guess Healy's, Healy's very much, he's number one, two and three. It's all about Healy first. Yeah. And Sully was probably just another piece of this, this chess game he's playing to try and woo Mary. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's, there's a great, like the, the scene where you meet Sully for the first time too, where he drives up to pick up Healy. And he goes to pat the dog. And he's like, Ooh, does it bite? So he's like, a little bit. Get in. <laughs> like that that always gets me. That every yeah. time I say it, it always gets a giggle out of me. Yeah. We'll move on ahead. Is there anyone do you think that would be offended by this film's presence if it was to release now? Um, d- depends on how sent like how sensitive or precious we want to interpret the potential people that could be offended. Obviously, the, treat, the treatment of Puffy the could uh, get sort of some animal <laughs> activists up in arms. For one, they drugged the dog. They they, they physically yeah. beat the dog. They electrocuted yeah. the dog. The dog caught on fire. The dog's in a full body cast. So old, uh, window, yeah. old Puffy got pretty pretty smacked about. Um, maybe sort of the gay community could get a little bit offended with the whole mm. pulling up at that at that uh, wash stop. at the rest stop there, and then just. You know, he was literally tripping over, you know, um, gay gay men mid-coitus and whatever else, and they all just scatter. Like, I don't know, maybe that's a little bit distasteful. And um, they are the bathhouses of the nineties. That, that's, right, yeah. that's right. That's right. Yeah. Is the implication in that movie that it was illegal to participate in gay acts back no. then? No. No, I think it's I think it's more that it's it's probably illegal to people in public yeah uh, that was my understanding and interpretation of it, yeah. was, and it was just yeah public nuisance and public yeah. nudity and- i know it was i know it was florida and there's like some states that have been late even in australia like tasmania were quite late to legalize such things if that was like this this movie was based like that scene was based in probably alabama or something and they would the cops would have just shot them all I'd, I'd assume so uh yeah lucky they picked uh florida yeah I think for me, in a you know, comparing this to something like Animal House, where there's very clear things there that would not at all fly today in in this current climate. There's really nothing in this film that me to me that stands out as being offensive. There there are things you could nitpick, and I think particularly in this day and age, there's there's always going to be someone offended by something. Mm. It doesn't matter how mundane it is. Um, but there's nothing that really sticks out to me as being grossly offensive or, or hasn't aged well. Uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's done well. It's it done really definitely well. Definitely compared to some other films we've looked at, there was no like, ooh, like that would definitely cause a think piece if it came out today. Like it, yeah, yeah. I think that they they skated along fairly well. I, I love mentioning Peter because they are offended by everything, but uh, <laughs> yeah, the the fl- the <laughs> what's the dog's name again? Puffy, Fluffy, Fluffy, Puffy. Puffy. Sorry, yeah, Puffy. Puffy. Sorry, yeah. Thank you, Brendan. There, yeah, definitely be issues with the treatment of Puffy, but uh, it's clearly a fake dog. <laughs> it's so good, though. So good. Yeah. <laughs> so there's something about 
Mary pass the internet relevancy test. I haven't come across it a lot in GIFs and, and memes that I can think of and even doing a bit mm-hmm. of a search before we started recording. There's not really anything that leaps out as iconic reactions, which is surprising because there's so much happening in this movie. Yeah, I'm with I'm with you. Like, like there is some very famous scenes like mm. the Frankenbeans and things like that, but you don't really see that translated into social media culture where yeah you're seeing like the frankenbean zip sort of ben stiller face look or um even little things you know when they're when they're fishing on the on the wharf and he cops that big hook in the mouth from warren and stuff like that like you never see any of that getting used as far as reactions and things go on on any sort of social platform which is sad because there's some great moments and some great shots that have a lot of laughs and great memories attached yeah. to it but it's just just over there in the in the corner really isn't it it really is and it's funny it's it is kind of sad and i think it's probably more it's a victim of the time it came out in and that it, the, the internet wasn't yeah. as prevalent back then because no there's, there's so much physical humor in this that lends yeah. itself to memes and lends itself to gifts that you can see it becoming really you know just really meme worthy but it uh, i think that just because it's maybe not I don't know if that's the reason, Dream, because there's so many movies we've done, like Billy Madison or Dumb and Dumber, where there's tons and they just really? proliferate. Yeah, like I, I feel like it's, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it could almost be like a study of what makes something memeable or, or GIF worthy, because some things just seem to catch on and others don't. I can think of like five great memes right now that I can't say here because the content is probably more explicit in my head than what you'll allow me to say here, Johnny. But I can, <laughs> like, I can really meme this movie. Um, maybe, maybe that could be a little fun piece mm. to go to. I'll, I'll, I'll jump, drop up a couple of memes and, right. um, and throw them on, on, on ap.net. You can use those. <laughs> and, uh, to we pr- can get, get the people to vote. We can get you on, uh, back on twitter dream to promote this episode with some of those i don't know what that is i don't know what that is maybe that's why i haven't seen the memes that's it that's it you're out of touch mate Mm. yeah but even if i do a search for like throw dog it doesn't come up with anything from from that fight scene or or fight dog even it just doesn't come up (laughs) okay it's not Uh, i I love the phrase throw dog (laughs) throw dog (laughs) what did come up that's what i want to see uh other dogs <laughs> Benji and Airbud and all these other bloody famous film dogs yeah. <laughs> taken over the kid world hopefully I'm going to do a live search right here now if I type in hair gel surely something comes up no, no yeah. you've got you've got to, you've got to no. type in it's come something up. about it's, Mary hair is, scene no I've got like is that, that hair gel and then I've got just a shot of Mary with the uh, the hair sticking nice. up nice yeah there you so, go. All right, you that's know, good. It's got something. But I would say it does not pass the internet relevancy test. No. Sorry. Okay. How would smartphones and social media change this movie? I, uh, I think there's an obvious first answer, which is that Ted would have Facebook stalked Mary for sure. That, oh, yeah. He wouldn't need for to sure. hire a PI. We're all our own PIs now. That and also then like Tucker and Healy and, and all their shtick would have been found out really yes. really early in the piece like instead of tucker who was you know norm the pizza delivery boy falls in <laughs> love with the dropping off a pie one night and, and hatches this scheme and, and then obviously healy does the same i think 
you know mary breaks when, he, back. when she meets these people would just jump on as you said facebook or just google and google that name yeah. and see that it's all a sham i think i think yes and no i like I, I still think there's a place for this and maybe this sort of bleeds into the make it in 2019 question as well but um she changed her name you know what i mean this is a mm. person who didn't want to be found and so sure, yeah. that that still kind of is there for now. Like you can still go like totally agree that in 2019, you don't need a PI to go and find people. But like there are people that I um, have tried stalking in the past, you know, <laughs> potential prey that, that just I cannot Jesus. find no matter what on, on any of the social media, which is partly why I'm not on there anymore. I'm not on there anymore. But you know what? Really? When you have needed to find people sometimes, you come to uh, Brendan Whitehealy over here and yeah, yeah, and yeah. I'm usually like nine out of 10, I'll find who you're looking for. <laughs> Brendan Whitehealy, who uh, are yeah, more like 99 out of 100. You're, you're actually incredible on there. <laughs> Um, so, but I think, no, I think you can still do the film and I think that it, the social media thing changes it, but probably not by that much if you really mm. think about it. I think though, they lost touch after high school, after the incident, they somehow never yeah. reconnected. They completely lost touch. I think with Facebook and stuff now, you would have a bit more of a, a runway. You, you'd keep in touch a bit more. Like if you want to, like I'm sure anyone that you went to high school with, dream if you were friends with them at the time and you wanted to like maybe if they were your mary you've probably been keeping tabs on it oh yeah. no I've, I've i've burned all my mary bridges mate don't worry <laughs> even just yeah. owning cell phones you know like if they would have obviously exchanged numbers at school and, and if she was to move away he could have texted her mm. and they could have keep chatting even yeah. if it was set um in that 90s period as opposed to the 2000s when social media wasn't as big as what it is today yeah mm. The uh, other difference would be when, uh, how do I put this? When Ted's cleaning the pipes, he wouldn't be reading Target catalogs or whatever. <laughs> yeah. He'd have his mobile phone out. Yeah. <laughs> That's well, fantastic. You know, maybe he's found it. I don't know. You're, you're bang on though. You're absolutely right. Maybe he's just a wholesome guy. You know, salt of the earth filler. He doesn't want to get any bloatware on his cell phone searching Pornhub or something. So he just grabs the 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 target catalogue or the Macy's mm-hmm. catalogue or whatever it might be. Who knows? Yeah. Cool. All right. Could we make this film in 2019? What would the 2019 version be? I think you absolutely could. I think it would still hold up, still be relevant. I think we need movies like this. I think that it's something that would be really welcome around now. I'm, I'm with you too. And, and you could almost just reshoot this thing line for line and it'd still stack up in today's society yeah like with with the same cast oh, yeah imagine <laughs> imagine like, ben stiller going back to 16 years and a flash 16 years old in a flashback now well, it just, it's like it's a story that isn't necessarily like you could do this with characters in their 40s you yeah know, who is like there's nothing that centers it around the age and that's i i think that's actually something really special about this film that you could do it at any point in someone's life where they're just trying mm. to reconnect with something they've lost or something that they never got to see fulfilled. Yeah. It's, it's, it's beautiful. Having said the whole thing about like Facebook and everything, I've got a couple of friends from uni who've like, whether it was a couple of years after uni or more recently, like gone off the grid basically, like got off social media and because they've moved away, like no one really knows what they're doing. And I guess it is cool. still possible to just disappear if you 
cut off ties to social media it's, it's amazing how quickly that can happen so yeah i think it would still work i think it could still happen like a, a plot like this wouldn't need many changes to to function in 2019 i guess mm. finding a way to to modernize it uh it'd be interesting with with a younger cast did you did you guys have like a, a modern day cast in mind oh i didn't go that really. far but um, i think it would be like uh, a maybe like an emma stone type character as yeah as cameron diaz she's like the girl that everybody likes is margot robbie you might oh, say yeah 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 oh yeah, yeah i can actually yeah margot robbie's kind of a bit more f- the flavor at the moment would like jonah hill be um, woogie I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I still or love Healy. that part where he's like, you're Woogie. And he's like, yeah, Steve Woganowski. Duh. Like, Don, uh, Don Woganowski. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don Woganowski. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's funny um, watching it when you know the plot and they're dropping all these hints along the way uh, about like him being in on it. Like he, he knew the whole Frank and Bean story. He's like, oh yeah, I was only four towns over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's so good. Who would be the modern Matt Dillon? Uh, I had Chris Pratt, and I I don't feel great about that. But <laughs> He's too handsome. I couldn't think of anyone. Matt I couldn't think of anyone creepy. sort of seedy enough. Give me yeah. give me like Adam Driver with a big seedy mustache. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. That would work. He, right. he could definitely rock the mustache quite well. Mm. That's a good one. Matt Dillon's a funny guy because he was obviously a huge star at the time. But because I watched Entourage, I became so used to Kevin Dillon that like Matt Dillon looked like the yeah. like inferior brother to me. <laughs> Useless trivia. The studio was initially reluctant to allow Ben Stiller to star in this film. So they were talking about getting an unknown actor by the name of Owen Wilson instead. So the studio was even more reluctant to let Owen Wilson star in the movie, so they let the Farrelly's cast Ben Stiller. It wouldn't have been the is... same. Like I love Owen Wilson. I, I like mm, Luke Wilson more yeah. than Owen Wilson. T- truth be told, though, but it wouldn't have been the same. Ben yeah. Stiller is just—he's great in this role. This is a Ben Stiller character. Like I don't know if it's because he made it his own and brought his humor to it, but it just feels like him yeah his his cry like at the very end of the movie where he's bawling his eyes out after he walks away <laughs> and he's just this snotty mess and then she runs up and and obviously she swerves him the first time and he you know yeah. grabs his keys and he's he's like oh okay and starts bawling again snot flying out and keeps walking ah <laughs> oh, it gets me it gets me every time yeah he's good it's funny though because stiller and owen wilson were like already friends i think owen wilson was in cable guy which Ben Stiller wrote and directed and then obviously went on to do Zoolander and all these other films together. Chris Farley was considered for the role of Warren, which would have been a very different portrayal. Uh, We talked before about how uh, it was played so, you know, realistic and almost as a dramatic role, like a Forrest Gump style approach, like a Tom Hanks approach by W. Earl Brown. But Chris Farley, I think, would have been hilarious, but I don't know if he would have brought the dignity to the role that uh, it ended up having. Yeah, no way. No way. <laughs> yeah. And he ended up dying during the filming, so it would have probably marred the production quite a bit to have him involved. Rest in peace. Uh, we're going to get to Tommy Boy eventually. I've never seen Tommy Boy, so I'm looking forward to, to doing that one. It's a great film. I've never seen Tommy Boy. Yeah, okay. The Steve Buscemi Sparkplug Award. We have a few <laughs> nominees here. Keith David was the first one I wanted to shout out. 
Uh, I want to mention Sarah Silverman for being in this movie, but she doesn't really do much. Yeah, Mary's, like Mary's judgmental friend. Yeah, this just like the friend, which was her role in Hollywood for a long time before she kind of got massive. Jeffrey mm. Tambor as Sully, he's got some good good parts. We talked about reading the script on the couch and uh, his his coked up phone calls, quite funny too. Harland Williams, who I think we gave this award to in Dumb and Dumb, I didn't. Yeah, we, we did when he was the highway cop. Yeah. He's great as the, uh, I think, uncredited role here yeah, as he is. the hitchhiker. Yeah, uncredited. Mm. Seven chipmunks twirling on a branch <laughs> in lots of sunflowers on my uncle's ranch. And then he's like, step into my office. Why? Because you're f***ing fired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, he was like impossible to direct. Like, whatever they told him, he just did his own thing. Yeah. You can see he's a, he's a unique dude. Like, he, he yeah. walks to the beat of his own drum, that's for sure definitely yeah. but if you guys don't object i think keith david deserves this award because yeah, the there. start of that I'm movie there. like a lot of the humor is just coming from him drilling ted's character and, and just stirring him up and the one-liners that he's dropping in the frankenbean scene I'll, I'll i'll double down on that too and you know they even uh have a reference to spark plug in this film as well you know, when, when yeah, no, no, it wasn't spark plug. No, Lindsay. yeah, it was butt plug. It was a butt plug, yeah, because it's like yeah. I think I still want to look her up. <laughs> yeah. He's like, who roller pig? Because she was nuts? heinous. You said she was a real spark plug. No, I said butt plug. She's heinous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that got me that line. <laughs> uh, I should have cottoned on a bit quicker that Healy was uh, a bit sketchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just all right. So I mean, <laughs> all in all, is this still a good movie? I think obviously the answer is yes resounding yes yes. universally heard across the nation yes any parting words i think we've we've sung the praises probably enough but any last words anyone that hasn't watched this movie i well for one i guess i don't know why you're listening to to this recap (laughs) but go watch it again if you haven't watched it in quite some time because it is truly one of the best comedies of the 90s and Mm. one of the better comedies that i've seen in my life like it is it is up there as well, one of my favorite comedic films from from any era yeah no i think i think that again just on the afi top 100 thing to to feature on that list as a comedy yeah in such a like a drama heavy list uh like it's hard for comedies to get recognized against films of other genres as mm. being equal or great and so to see this on that list is like that that speaks volumes so if nothing we've said is enough to persuade you to watch it, if you haven't already seen it, that, that alone should persuade you to go and watch it. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, you make a good point there, Dream. I think for a comedy to get respect as a film, like not a, a movie or a popcorn flick, but as a film, mm. like it's really done well and it's held up in high esteem. It's probably along those lines of like the Big Lebowski in the 90s where it's like... Yeah. People like critics loved it. Obviously, a lot more people went to see this than The Big Lebowski, which became a cult classic. But this is something that it's it's on that line of like it's a it's a gross out movie for teenagers, but then it's also just so clever and just vi- like the, there's visual gags and there's slapstick, but and then there's just running jokes through the movie and background gags like you mentioned before dream there's just so much in it for people to enjoy and you guys watched it as kids and loved it as you said your parents watched it as adults and loved it as well which says a lot i think Mm. and we're watching it now as grown-ups and we still love it 
It probably says more about our parents than anything else, but yeah, it's, it's, it says a lot. I, I just wanted There's to shout too. out Jonathan Richmond as well. Obviously, the the sort of oh, the guy musician. doing the, the narration and the singing throughout the whole movie. Hmm. I, I love those little touches in that film and obviously gets shot at the very end, spoilers, but um, <laughs> fantastic. Yeah, those, those interstitials really give the movie like a unique kind of flavor and style that uh, it, it kind of puts you in that surreal where anything can happen and it's not like they go yeah. too far with that but there is some like when he's doing the the three stooges gag with the dog fight and some of that stuff like yeah it it, it makes it feel less glaring that they go all the way out there with something <laughs> when you've got yeah, these dudes absolutely. playing like live music <laughs> narrating the film all right well thanks dudes uh we've got itunes reviews obviously listeners if you're out there you want to help the show you can do so with your itunes ratings and reviews i want to thank our patreon producers out there as well who make this show happen we very much love your support and just wouldn't be able to do this without you guys it gives us the energy keeps the emotional lights on as brendan loves to say you are the frank to our beans patreon producers the frank to our beans (laughs) yeah one without the other is just sad (laughs) Uh, <laughs> on an unrelated note I watched a documentary about the guy with the world's largest scrotum last night and it was a hundred pounds hundred pounds oh, moving forward that's uh, pretty big that sounds like another Farrelly Brothers movie <laughs> yet to be filmed but anyway listeners out there you can give us your questions comments and corrections if you want to weigh in you can do that by hitting us up on the social medias I'm at Johnny himself Brendan where can we find you I am at Brendan8bit and Salim do you want to be found yeah if you're trying you can find me at SalimTD yeah, he may respond he may hit you with a there's something about Mary meme I don't know he says that they're out there there's only one way that he can prove it uh, join us on the next episode of Comedy Rewind we're going to be looking at Office Space that's going to be me and Dagan Moriarty from Knockback Fame. I hope there is a lot of stapler discussion in That's that. Uh, in that. Oh film. yeah, a lot of stapler yeah. discussion. Very keen to get into that Mike Judge movie. Gotta love him. Uh, as always, dear listeners, thank you for joining us on Comedy Rewind. Be kind. <laughs>